Wizard of Whiskey presents Swig and Ramble, a podcast for the modern age. Come for the whiskey, stay for the shit show. Featuring Justin Curry at Wizard of Whiskey, Mark Pruitt at Resonant Prose, and Julia Men at The Wee Tipple. And now, pour yourself a drink and enjoy the show. I know you will. Welcome back, you ramblers, to Swig and Ramble. I am your co-host, Julie Men from the Wee Tipple, and with me is Justin Curry from Bevfluence and Mark Pruitt from Resonant Prose. And tonight's episode, episode five, is biodynamics. Is it brilliant or is it bullshit? We're going to take a hot look and dive into that shortly. But first, the news. So, guys, oh my god. <laughs> okay yeah we're, we're like a minute and a half in and i'm already snorting but this Love is when people so laugh at their own jokes i know well i'm hilarious and this is just funny um that was I'm a not... great that was a great segue okay th- shut the fuck up mm-hmm. mark go back to your hole two minutes into the show and she dropped an f-ball anyway, not even two minutes <laughs> let me get to the news guys this is so funny they're gonna want to hear it okay so i I'm going to preface this by saying, I don't know if this is real or not. It could just be a gag, but if so, it's a really hilarious one. Um, Have either of you heard about Just the Tipsy, the rosé wine that, uh, where the bottle is shaped like a penis? And oh my God, I came across it. It's on Twitter and they have some hilarious signage. Uh, Justin, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I actually have. Yeah. Um. I, I, okay, I'm going to have to dive into this. So you can find them on Twitter, just the tipsy. They only have 77 followers and there's like not a lot going on. It says it's coming soon. So honestly, we don't know if this is just hoax or not, but. How is coming spelled? Well, that would be telling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some of their images, uh, great signage. It's hard to have fun. We know you're curious. The rosé you've been begging for. Uh, Let's see. What's this one? You have to open it up. Start your night with a pop and end with a bang. Oh, man. And and the pictures. Like, really? Did they really make a bottle that looks like this? Uh, You've never had a bigger experience. This bubbly (laughs) really measures up. I mean, I could go on. Please, someone jump in. Please stop me. I'm having too much fun. Please stop. You're done. Cut her off. Cut her Mark, off. who who is this appealing to? That's what I want to know. And it's a genuine question. It's a genuine question. I want to know. We don't have those on this show. We don't have genuine questions. Um, I well, bachelorette parties? Probably. Maybe. Because penises and rose. Big demographic right there. Well, I mean, I'm a big fan of both, I just have to say. But I mean So Bachelorette Parties and Mark Pruitt, everybody. That's what uh, just the tipsy is geared towards. Please do not send me email, pictures, whatever. Let's just get that out there right now. Okay. The email address is please send me all the pics. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And Mark. Compuser.com. As, uh, as uh, just the tipsy says, don't censor your taste buds. Drink us up to the last drop. It does not say that. It says that. Oh. It does. It oh, legitimately sure. does. Holy They're shit. Mark. What do you have in the news, man? Uh, okay, so so wait a minute. I, I'm gonna. I'll I'll make a promise, and then maybe this is my own undoing. But if 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 just the tipsy sees it in their hearts to send 
swig and ramble a sample uh i will happily take some promo shots just just for the just for the ramblers i would can't those, wait to see those would those be boudoir photo shots oh i'm not gonna fucking give up the details come on let me be creative in my own way all right well i will be sending them an email presently <laughs> oh god oh mark you had something i think right something <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so ridiculous Okay, somebody I actually admire, Morimoto, for his cooking skills. I caught a news story and I shared it with you guys. He's coming out with a whiskey. So I did a bit of research and I dug into it. And I think we had a discussion a little while ago about celebrities and whiskey and how we feel about stuff. And, you know, Morimoto doesn't do anything halfway. He's got great food. He's got great skills. Uh, He teamed up with Rogue Brewery and is putting out a whiskey and it's a limited edition morimoto single malt whiskey it starts at the rogue brewery uh as a morimoto imperial pilsner which apparently has been on the market for quite some time and is actually a favorite as at his uh, restaurants um the wash is then transferred from the brewery to a distillery and then it is put in american oak barrels from there and let's see, I'm, I'm reading along here and I'm trying to uh, communicate the process, uh, but it's very difficult because, you know, I'm, I'm not smart. So bear with me on this one. Um, and then it ends up finishing in Oregon Oak. So I'm going to kind of throw it out to you guys. Another celebrity whiskey. What do you guys think? Please stop. <laughs> and I'm like, I'd try it and base it on the flavor. Justin, I'm going to have to cancel our reservations to his restaurant. We're not going to Nobu anymore. So, yeah, like we were ever going. <laughs> um, number one, I I came up in the the chefs that I studied under because of the time frame that I began my career in in the culinary world. They all hated hated the Food Network, or anyone who was a celebrity, quote unquote, chef. So my hatred of celebrity uh, goes back a long way. Uh, they hate The chefs that I said, they hated even more moto. They hated Flay. They hated, um, what's the asshole's name? Um, uh, Mario Batali, Emeril, you name it, they hated him. And you know, if I ever came in and started talking about what I saw on the Food Network, um, several of the chefs that I worked under would throw things at me. So, um, okay, so hold hold on a minute, hold on a minute, because I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify that a little bit. I'm not opposed to you. I'm I'm actually just fine with the celebrity chef thing. Is Morimoto really a celebrity chef, or is yeah. he a chef that has kind of peripherally? bled over he's never had his own show yes he's an iron chef yes i think that's as deep as he got he never speaks he never uh, you know uh, i i just i kind of counted him out of that group everybody else you mentioned totally on board yeah um here's the thing i the short answer is yeah i would try the whiskey i i i appreciate what rogue does um they they make really decent Decent whiskeys. Because that was actually American my other style point. Terroir whiskeys. Um, is it going to be good? I don't know. 
Um, but I am tired of people lending their names to things just so that they can make a dollar off their name. That's that's my two cents. He's got he's got a standing partnership with these guys. Uh, yeah, they probably wanted to capitalize on something that was happening. It was probably a short hop to go from the Brewers Mash to something that they could distill. Yeah, maybe they're taking a little bit of liberties with this, but I'm at the at the foundational level with this. Is Rogue Whiskey any good? Um, we will get into what's good and what's not good on the next episode. That is all the time we have for today. Yoya, what do you got? All right, fine. Ah, uh, well, you know, super popular topic uh, each week is what sours my mash. Justin, do you have any mash souring tales for this week? Yes, I do. In addition to uh, celebrity anything, uh, I really hate infomercials. And earlier today, <laughs> Mark was explaining to me why infomercials are as bad as they are. Mark, over to you. Well, first of all, you have to understand that I have a failed career in the advertising business. That's actually where I began my career. And in the late 90s, early 2000s, infomercials became a way for networks to make money in downtime when they weren't, when they didn't have programming on the air. Cable television hadn't yet got to a point to where they're literally showing crap 24 hours a day. I have another, I have a point about this, but let me, let me kind of go on. So as infomercials got to be sort of hated, they changed it to be infotainment. So it's not an infomercial. It's actually infotainment. I'm giving you information and I'm entertaining you. Uh, and then I will go back because I said this before, not every fucking opportunity of, or not every moment of every day is a fucking opportunity to serve someone an ad. So please, God, stop the ads. It is if you're in America. Just it saying. Is. And, and I would just like to say about, and this is another thing, it just, it really irritates me because I'll be sitting in bed in the evenings, um, which is one of the reasons I don't really watch regular television anymore. It's because commercials. They are the worst. I haven't seen a commercial that actually held my attention or showed me what the product was without annoying the absolute fuck out of me. Spend a decade working in the business and you'll never watch television. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want I, I don't watch television. We watch you Netflix, guys, we watch things. You guys, want, you guys want to know you guys want to know a secret? Please. I have not seen a single episode of major television shows for the last 20 years. I never saw an episode of big TV shows like Lost or uh, I've never seen Game of Thrones. I've, I've never seen any of these other shows. I, you know what? By osmosis, I've seen Law and & Order and I watched... Rick and Morty against SpongeBob SquarePants. So that's how I get which law and order because there's 906 of them. Well, yeah. I don't watch the SVU and I don't watch the uh, the other one that's out there with the weird the weird guy that that doesn't know. I'm I'm like a doll of law and order. But if you if you've ever seen my picture, if you've ever seen me, I know you guys are looking at me uh, in the method of delivery that we're recording this. Uh, But there are some people that say that I look like the actor who portrays Lenny Briscoe. Okay, I actually don't know who that is because I've never seen a single episode of any of the 975 Law and Orders. 
Um, so I think we're all on the same page there because we're all old curmudgeons. Yeah. Um, no, but that reminds me, speaking of, well, you don't really watch television, but as it is on Netflix, maybe you might have seen it. Black Mirror. Nope. The, okay. Well, gosh, neither of you have, but I'm sure someone who is listening has seen that episode where it was with the chick from Downton Abbey. And one of the big things was the constant advertisements. And they just had ads playing in each of the person's rooms. And if the person shut their eyes, there would be like an alarm start blaring saying, you need to be watching this. And then it wouldn't stop. The alarm wouldn't stop until the person opened their eyes to continue watching the ads. It was great. I mean, Black Mirror is so fucked up and so keyed in. It's intense. And I stopped watching it. I can pair it along to Looney Tunes and Tom Jerry. Oh. Those those cartoons are not nearly as terrifying though as Black Mirror. <laughs> anyway. I've never seen that. And what was that other show? Orange is the new black. I've never seen any of that stuff. The I wire, any of those. Black. Uh, the anyway. wire. <laughs> wow. Uh, Mark, what's ours your match, buddy? You know what's ours my match? Traffic. Um, got on the motorcycle yesterday morning. I left before the sun came up. I went to visit a friend. Uh, We rode all over the place, had a great time, caught up with him, haven't seen him in quite a long time. It took me over two hours to get home. Um, So yeah, fuck traffic. That's what sours my mash. If you're on a motorcycle though, are you riding it the right way if uh, you're not dodging in and out of traffic very dangerously? (laughs) Which is actually legal in California. It's actually legal in California. It's called lane splitting and... On very select occasions, I will do it. A, because I'm a chicken, and B, because I ride a bigger motorcycle. And C, because of the extraordinarily shitty driving that occurs here in Southern California. So um, I will not lane filter at speed in traffic. Um, If it is a traffic jam and if the lanes are wide enough, um, I will filter lanes uh, because it is safe. And sometimes people will dart out in front of you, but... Uh, as a general practice, I don't do it because I enjoy my life. Good on you. We enjoy having you alive. That's a lot. Sometimes. But okay. Sometimes. On occasion. Yes. Thank Just you. so we can rip the Mickey out of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you stole my intro because I was supposed to do this. You didn't follow. You didn't follow the uh, framework of the show. So I'm going to steal. I think it's Justin's, and I'm going to ask what's in everybody's class. So, oh, all right, I'm fancy, gonna, fancy. I'm gonna... And I just need to go on the record to say you must have printed off an old show sheet because it obviously had me doing the introduction. So that's where you're wrong because I didn't print it out this time. I'm actually looking at it electronically. So unless you didn't save it properly or if you know you got a little I think you need to get your eyes checked you're just going blind somebody anyway your cheerios and your grouchy i mean i get it <laughs> i had gluten today it's upsetting okay gosh oh, god. let's drink oh god i'm having a flashback <laughs> justin please tell me what you have in your glass i have I, you know i'm switching it up today i'm doing a little wine because it's a, a brilliant uh spring day here um I'm drinking Encari. It is a white blend. It is vintage 2020, which means it's Southern Hemisphere. Um, this is from Mendoza, Argentina. It's 60% Sauvignon Blanc. I believe the rest is Chardonnay. Very nice. Pineapple, honeysuckle, floral as hell. 
Wow. It's dry. That's clean. There's a really nice acidity to it. It is not super tropical, but it definitely has that apricot kind of peach note, a little bit of like papaya, but um, it's really nice. And the finish fades to this like lemon custard that I'm still tasting. And then it actually gets a little more astringent on the finish, which is really interesting. And I thoroughly enjoy this. So Very nice. Sounds delightful. Mark, Mark what's you in your glass? What if I don't want to talk about what's in my glass? Well, too fucking bad. Okay. Well, I have here. Let me look at the bottle here because this, this is actually a beautiful bottle. I like, you know, whiskey comes in many different forms. And I have to say that this is probably one of my favorite shapes of a bottle. It's hard as hell to hold and to pour, but it looks really great. Uh, but I'm having a Sagamore Spirit Rye. And uh, this was actually from a, a barrel select program uh, for a group that I am a part of. And, you know, I'm a little hit or miss on rye. Um, I do love some rye. I don't love all rye. Uh, this one's very different. It has a very sort of earthy, the, the spice is definitely there, um, but I'm getting more of like a sort of an orange peel on the nose, uh, something that sort of fresh note from that or you know there's a sort of a deeper note of a of a clove as i uh take a drink here and my pinky's out you didn't do that justin so fuck off <laughs> you don't do that with white wine sir the hell you don't you should do it with white wine you shouldn't do it with bourbon i had to do it for you with, just for with pork karmic spirits, you can but with wines you don't you know what you can do with that pinky Ayo, the gauntlet's getting thrown down. I think we're going to break you up, kid. So, so Mark, just, what does it just, taste like? just, just put the tipsy in. Um, <laughs> Please, you know, someone tell us we, that is real. We all saw that coming and hashtag just put the tipsy in. Do you know how long I have been waiting to just find an opportunity to say that? I'm, I, you know. Comedic yes. genius. Three That's weeks since we say. started talking about this. Yes. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm changing my uh, social tags to be comedic genius. Um, lots of spice, a lot of uh, earthy notes on this. Um, very enjoyable. I. I like this. Uh, I'd love to. I like drinking this straight up. I have a great idea that later in the week I'm going to mix this up in an old fashioned, and I think it would be absolutely brilliant. Mm delightful i love old fashions well julia that's all the time we have let's move into a different topic oh well shucks kids no i'm just uh, kidding well, what's what's in your glass julia well i am also on the wine train this evening with some clos henry which is normally a french brand but they have acquired vineyards in marlborough new zealand so i am having a new zealand savion blanc with uh, organically grown grapes, 2019. And it's like, I planned this or something because we're talking about biodynamics versus organic versus natural versus all sorts of cool stuff like that. So yeah, anyway, uh, getting into the glass. It's beautiful, but not that immediate quintessential New Zealand Sauve Blanc smell. This is a bit more tempered surprisingly herbaceous there's a little bit of an earthy funk to it got some underripe gooseberry and a touch of citrus on the nose just listen to my slurps mm. palate is 
medium bodied, very well balanced acidity. It's not eye watering at all. It's definitely present, but really nice. And flavors are very complimentary to the nose. Definitely a good weight to them. Very vegetal, very herbal, gentle, almost I'd say baked or really, really ripe citrus. So it's, it's softer. It doesn't have that really sharp acidic tang that would come from just underripe or like really fresh citrus. This is very interesting. Not like a traditional Savion Blanc from New Zealand at all. It definitely has a layer of finesse to it. So it definitely well worth checking out. For whatever you care about points, it's been rated 94 points by Wine Enthusiast. There you go. Fantastic. All right. Um, so, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, a lot of you heard, uh, have heard some of our, our early episodes, um, and we got quite a few letters, angry, some angry, some supportive, but we got quite a few letters about one mention that we made. We were bitching about, I believe we were bitching about celebrity wine and some other things. And I think it was Gwyneth Paltrow or some other blonde celebrity who would come up Carmen with- Diaz. Carmen Cam- Diaz. Cameron, sorry, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. Carmen Diaz. Where in the world is Car- Carmen Diaz? Um, <laughs> and we came up with the, we, we didn't come up with, we, we were mentioning this term clean wine. And so many of you wrote letters that we thought we would dedicate an episode to it. So today we are talking about biodynamics, bullshit or brilliant. Uh, we're going to geek out a little bit. So if, uh, if you don't want to learn something, then fuck off. If you do fantastic, put the kids to bed, sit back, <clears throat> get in a bathtub and listen to us talk about biodynamics for the next seven or eight hours. Yes. So Julia, let's, let's take it away. Okay. Well, before we dive into the real heart of biodynamics, I want to start with a very basic term, terroir. So terroir is a French term you may or may not have heard before, often used in the wine industry to indicate a sense of place. The wine tastes like where it's grown. So the actual definition from dictionary.com of terroir is the complete natural environment in which a particular wine is produced, including factors such as the soil, topography, and climate. Now what's interesting, while terroir is typically used in the wine world, there have been a lot of ripples and experimentations happening in the whiskey world and in other spirits about how terroir influences those products as well. So that's super cool. Like taking the concept where the barley is grown and the quality of it translating into a better end whiskey. So terroir is a very important concept to keep in mind as we dive into biodynamics. Now, yes, Justin, I see before I start on my rant, do you have something you want to add? Yes, Julia, actually, I I just want to say that there's a lot of unjustified skepticism around biodynamics, around organic, around terroir and spirits. Completely different things, granted. But um, we're gonna, we're gonna, I think we're gonna change some hearts and minds. So that is what I wanted to interject and say: is that this unjustified skepticism, it ends today. Here, here, I will drink to that. 
Well, okay, let's dive in, kids. So a little bit of history and background. Biodynamics was introduced to the world for all intents and purposes by Rudolf Steiner in the early 1900s. And he introduced it as a way to heal and revitalize the earth. And it was actually aimed at farmers. He didn't even drink. Uh, so he wasn't aiming this at winemakers, although that is probably where we associate biodynamics mostly these days is with uh, the winemaking world. So biodynamics is a way to look at the bigger picture of earth balance and the forces that influence that balance. So if the soil is healthy and harmonized, the food it produces will be of the highest quality. And biodynamic farmers assess more than just their immediate crops to gauge overall well-being. So they take into account the birds, the surrounding plant life, the various animals they keep. So uh, you may or may not know, biodynamic farmers often have animals on their land, such as chickens and sheep and goats and cows to help balance everything out. So they look to the health of their animals on their farm, the microorganisms, the water sources in and around their farm and so on. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. Rudolf Steiner was a fucking lunatic. Um, I delved into this a little bit myself because I was familiar with biodynamics as a concept. In fact, the very first people who planted um, were familiar with essentially a type of biodynamics. It wasn't called that then, but about 15,000 years ago when agriculture really started to take off, somewhere between 30 and 15,000 years ago, um, when you know roving <laughs> bands stopped, and began planting, they, they paid attention to the cyclical things of nature. They paid attention to the seasons. They paid attention to the stars and the moon. And they paid attention to the soil. And to, to sum up essentially the history of biodynamics and, and this uh, Rudolf Steiner, um, he believed that <laughs> through the earth, humans could actually have contact with spiritual worlds, not spirit in the sense of whiskey, but actual spiritual worlds. And so um, biodynamics is a way for us to transcend our earthly being. And I thought that was really interesting. I mean, it's weird as shit, but I thought it was really interesting. Um, so, so yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about the differences between biodynamics and organic, because I know that's, that's weighs heavily on Mark. <laughs> He's just sweating with anticipation here. Okay, yes. So biodynamics, organics, natural, clean wine. These are all different things. Some have more meaning than others. So let's just break down some basic differences. So biodynamic, biodynamic producers are certified by either Demeter or Biodivin, and producers utilize something called preparations. So these are mixtures of herbs, minerals, and manure used in various ways to aid the earth, the crops, and the overall ecosystem of the farm in place of standard chemical sprays and pesticides. Biodynamics promotes biodiversity in their fields over monoculture, and they also follow a yearly calendar of vineyard and crop care that is based on the celestial cycle organic. Also certified, they use no chemical products in the vineyard in winery or winery in order to promote healthy soils, vines, and wines. Um, I've heard it said that it's a step on the road to biodynamics, but obviously not nearly as full on. So again, we're, we're taking a much more global view. Um, this theory, um, 
the um, uh, Rudolf uh, Steiner's theory, the um, anthroposophy um, theory, essentially said that everything intertwines. And this is not a new concept, um, but if you have healthy soil, if you have a biodiversity in the soil and in, the, in where you, um, and we've all visited these great wineries that have this biodiversity, that they're planting cover crops, they're planting extra crops, they're planting extra things that add to the soil rather than take away. That's the whole point is you get richer flavors, you get longer, more sustainable uh, <clears throat> agriculture, and you're not taking out the nutrients that so much of farming and we're not bit born, we're not bashing on farmers. We love farmers, obviously, because we're, we love to eat. Um, and I'm sure you do too, but it's, it's a biodynamics and biodiversity and organic farming is a way of having that long-term big picture view of the soil of the ground and of whatever it produces. Um, even going so far as to have these really cool, really interesting um, <laughs> sanctuaries in some of these wineries where they have owls, they have mice, they have good insects that they call them to give things into the soil and to provide um, biodiversity for uh, the area and biodynamic um, for biodynamic uh, structure to the, to the soil. So planting those cover crops, planting roses. It's, there's an interesting thing that I learned from a winery years ago. We were talking and they had rows and rows and rows and rows of grapes. And this was in Lodi in California. And at the end of every single row, there was a rose bush planted. And what's interesting is, is that most blights or pestilence or fungi or things that will destroy your crops, they will attack certain things first, like roses. So you plant roses at the end to pre-tell you, to, to kind of warn you, hey, there's something going on, there's something wrong, so that you, don't, you save your crop. It's really interesting. And it's something that we need to pay a little bit more attention to as we go forward, because we are fucking this earth up. Yeah, and that's the great thing about just very aware winemakers and farmers and people, especially that practice biodynamics. Again, going back to, they look at the overall picture instead of just one thing. They're not just looking at the grapes or the vines. They're looking at the entire ecosystem of their lands and their property. And that's super cool. So, you know, if they see something that's going on, maybe the birds are acting differently. Well, why are they acting differently? They can look into that and see, you know, something's off, something's wrong. And then they can fix that before it even has a chance to affect neg or negatively impact their vines or their crops. So that's super awesome. Here, here's my take on this. And, th and this is really interesting because to me, this feels like what farmers have been doing all along. And it's interesting to me that industries are wanting to attach themselves to something like this. And quite frankly, I, I think that this is a, this is a response to the globalization of everything because everything that we produce has become about producing the most you possibly can with the least possible cost associated with it 
and also to a certain extent, and, and this isn't for everyone. So if, if you're from the industry, please understand where I'm coming from. I think that there are some people out there that are wanting to produce a product and they really don't give a shit where the raw materials come from. They just give a shit about what the end result is because you're not really producing something. You're just kind of blending everything together. Well, I get this from here, the cheapest, I get that from there and it's the cheapest I can do. And then I put something out there and I've got this much overhead into it and then I'm going to sell it uh, for, for a little bit of profit on the other side. And I think what we're seeing and, and, as we've been talking about this, uh, forgive me for the purist, I'm going to butcher the name. I believe it's a Bricolati, the distillery. You know, the, there's a really great film that's out there. It's called The Water of Life. And it's actually, it, it touches on the revival of the Bricolata distillery. And I said it two different ways. So email me and it's let me Brooklyn. know how to. And both, both were wrong, by the way. So that's okay. okay. Um, we're going to be talking about Bricolati quite a bit, but go ahead, Mark. I'll call it Bricolati. Brooklotti. Brooklotti. Yeah. Um, I'll call it Brook. Please, we'll please, know. please don't write yes. me Brooklotti. I'm, I'm just yes. kidding. Brooklotti, email me. Water of Life, email me. I'm happy to, to cover. Um, but uh, no, it's a great film and it covers it and it actually gets into this. It actually talks about this, that, you know, uh, there it, it's, it's, it's everything. It's sustainability. It's knowing the origin of the materials that you're using. It's putting the spirit of the earth into the product and believing that much into what it is that you're doing. And I, I think that this is fabulous. I think that this is a great start to something that the global industry needs to pay attention to, that it's not about mass producing crap. And oftentimes it's really about embracing the craftsmanship about what it is that you do uh, and, and producing something that's worth it. And if you can scale it, that's great. But there isn't an infinite scale to that. We're not going to produce a zillion bottles of um, Brooklot. Edit, edit, edit that out later. Brooklotti. Brooklotti. And I'm absolutely not editing that. Um, <laughs> said with love and affection, peace and love. I, I love Brooklotti. But no, and that stuck with me uh, about that aspect of this. And I, Look, you know, you, you, you can believe what you can believe about our connection to the earth. And I believe that there are consequences to the things that we do. And I think this is one of those things. Oh, and I think it's sad, though, and you hit upon the point, you know, it is marketing and the way the industry is turned. And the, at the rate of production is just not sustainable. So going back to something like biodynamics, while it's much better for the earth, I think undeniably, I'm sure there are people that are gonna deny it and argue it, but if you look at it, it's better for the earth. By farming that way, you can't reach the industrial scale that humanity demands. I am uh, so glad you both brought this up. Yeah. <laughs> because in reality, I've got some numbers here, and then Ooh. I'd love to get back to some definitions. In reality, biodynamically farmed products yield about 30% less and cost about 50% more. Not a complete hard number. It varies industry to industry. We're talking about wine at the moment. So 
if you have a 30% less yield and a, a cost of around 50% more, let's actually break it down to what a bottle cost. Just, we're gonna just have some, some fake numbers, but they're generally based on back. Um, <clears throat> a bottle of wine on the shelf that you see for let's just say $10 cost the winemaker $1.97 to make, <laughs> including screw cap or cork. If it's a cork, it's probably closer to $2.03. Um, so that $10 bottle of wine is 60 or more percent. It's really closer to 70% marketing and distribution. So if you spend $12 on a biodynamic wine, you're actually getting, not only are you helping generally, let's be honest, small businesses, because most, to your point about scalability, most mm -hmm. biodynamic farmers don't have the ability, aside from like Frey, um, to mass produce. It is it is doable and it is doable at a, at a scalable rate, but um, <clears throat> it's it's certainly, certainly harder. Um, so yeah, just to be honest, spend a little bit extra money on, on something that's uh, biodynamic. I would I would happily pay a little more money for a whiskey product that is made in this fashion in a documentable way that it's not just a hey we have a token farm and we're taking from it but but somebody who's committed to doing this I would gladly pay more for a product like that that makes all the sense in the world to me and it, that just goes to the whole idea even more above and beyond craftsmanship. You're putting more craftsmanship into the product that you're putting out there. I think we could do a whole other episode on sort of the dark art of how things are priced. And I, I kind of want to put a, I want to put a mark on the paper here that, that maybe we think about that. Yeah. But from my perspective, happy to pay more. Well, I also really? think it's, kind of going in a, a right direction for as fucked up as the world is somehow becoming, I think people are actually becoming more interested in where their products are coming from, how they're sourced, how they're created. They're taking a more vested interest. Consumers are taking a more vested interest in the products that they're buying. And they're spending more, but spending better. They're spending smarter. They're supporting the organizations that they are personally able to get behind. So when the stories are shared and like, like with Brooke Laddie, they were, yeah, we're going to get into Brooke Laddie, uh, either this episode or following episode, all about their great stuff that they're doing. It's a fantastic story. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff going on at that distillery. Which but is super hard to pronounce. <laughs> Brooke Laddie. Uh, I'm a simple man. I just, I, I'm upfront about it. I guess. I it. mean, it's Scottish. Right, I mean, a lot of the Scottish distilleries, let's be honest, I'm really still learning and, you know, whatever. What's, what's the other that. whiskey? The, the bunny whiskey? That's, uh, that's Bunnehaven. Yes. Right. Bunny. Anyway, where were we? I was saying something, something important, guys, something important. But uh, basically, the long and short of it is, too late. Uh, people are willing to support the things they actually care about, and people are starting to care more about initiatives like biodynamics. There it is. Julia, the show's called Twig and Ramble. You're you're allowed to ramble, and you already twigged. You're you're an OG rambler, so 
There we go. Cheers. <laughs> I'll swig to that. So just just kind of jumping back here for just one more second, and I realize we're we're getting short on time here. I'm sure Mark is is uh, clicking down the um, the clock there. We're ready um, to go to bed. That and that's man. all the time we have today. Let's <laughs> see. Thank you for playing. A little early there, Brooke Lottie. Um, so two two quick things. Um, Can, say two it definitions. again because I want to call this. I want to get a sponsorship for the show. Say it again. Brooke Lottie. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I want to talk about two definitions. Number one, natural wine. If we're talking about biodynamic and organic, natural wine essentially means indigenous yeast, organic farming, uh, no additives, minimal intervention. So I, I want to focus on that for just a second. Minimal intervention. We're talking about wines that are not made with every trick, every chemical, every cheap, not cheap cost, but cheap additive that you can throw in to draw out the yield. We're talking about wines that are made the wine, the way wines were supposed to be made. We're talking about terroir driven wines. And that means- So, so there's no mega purple added? There is not mega purple added to these wines. Um, How about red number five? The, the term natural wine technically does not inherently mean that the wine is made biodynamically. However, the two are frequently implicated. Um, and so that's why I wanted to mention that. The other- Sir, I asked a question. The, what was your question? How about red number five? Lots of red number five in organic and biodiverse Thank wines. Thank you. Um, lots of it, like my jelly beans on my desk. Um, the second was the, was the joke that we started the show with, which was clean wine. Um, how do I put this? It's actually kind of interesting. There is a patent. There is a trademark for clean wine. The actual, and I love this, the actual trademark says wine is made cleanly from start to finish to generate a sustainably made product free of sulfites and histamines. Oh. So yeah, that's basically this. That's the trademark. So how do I put this? It's not a fucking thing. Um, so for the purposes of this episode and probably, I don't know, many, many more clean wine is not a fucking thing. Bullshit. Bullshit. (laughs) Sorry. Had something in my throat there. Yeah. Did did it say who put in that trademark? I, it does actually Deerfield Ranch Winery in California. They actually trademarked for a formal definition I, I believe that's the Is winery. That the that's, winery? No, she, that's owned by my ex-wife, Cameron Diaz. Yes. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, Carmen San Diego's. San Diego's. You guys didn't know that about me. It's oh. it's Carmen Bucalati San Diego. Yes. What it is. So, um, so yeah, that's clean wine, um, which is apparently clearly not a thing. Um, but yeah, biodynamic wines are again. We're talking about wines and and spirits very soon. Um, uh, how do I put this? They follow the phases of the moon. That's all you need to know. Mark, what do you got? Well, listen, uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this particular show, but I think we could, we could probably get three more shows out of this subject. I think it's a, it's a fascinating topic. Uh, I think it's important for the ramblers to benefit from the knowledge. We'd like to make it exciting and accessible to you. Uh, I, I think we can cover this for a couple of more episodes and really shed some light on this. Would definitely love 
to hear from you guys. Uh, reach out to at Swig and Ramble. Follow us on Facebook. If you uh, dislike anything Justin said, he is at Bevfluence. Um, if you enjoyed what Julia said, she is at the We Tipple. Yes, is that right? Yes. We want to yes. know where you come from. Yes, at the We Tipple. Um, and I am Mark Pruitt at Resonant Pros. Um, please do not send complaints to me. I don't know how to read. Um, I'll just forward those along to Julia and Justin. Um, just want to give a great shout out to the Ramblers. Um, love your responses in our social media community. Um, love you guys interacting with us. Uh, I really enjoy the thread where you guys are giving us subjects because I believe that the subject that we discussed actually was on that list. So I um, just want you to know that we're, uh, we're bringing the good stuff to you. So with that being said, Justin, you want to bring us home? Uh, absolutely. Please join us next time when we discuss those assholes who only want Oyster Bay. Those, those motherfuckers. 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 <laughs> Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Follow us at Swig and Ramble on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for more fermented fuckery. Cheers.